Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to Mark chapter 4. Starting with verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed him. Verse 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. Say fierce storm. High waves. Say high waves. Were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, now think about this for a minute. How many have ever been on a boat? Not my favorite thing to do, I'll be honest with you, especially out in the middle of the ocean on my brother-in-law's boat when he's going 1,000 miles an hour, it feels like. But how many know that water is supposed to be on the outside of the boat? When it goes inside the boat, there's issues. It's called sinking. So water was filling the boat. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. This is so cool. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you not trust me? Verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. This is funny to me. I mean, Funny to me, not to them. Absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They ask each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Today I want to talk about the idea of getting to the other side. Getting to the other side. We, we all, I believe, feel called by, by Jesus uh, to do certain things in life. Most of the time, I think it should be a passion. It's funny that, and I've heard this growing up in church for many years, people say, now, what is, what is the worst thing you'd like to do? And you think, you're like, ah, go to China. That's what it is, brother. It must be China, because God wants you to do something that, you know, you have to completely depend on him. Well, we should completely depend on him, but I really believe this, that your calling has something to do with the passion you have in life. I really believe that. I believe that our Heavenly Father puts desires in our heart and we have a passion for something. And he says to us, go to the other side. This is the goal. You have a place to go, but I'm going to do this with you. So I want to talk about that today. Going to the other side. Look at the person next to you and say, you're going to make it to the other side. You're going to make it to the other side. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, another opportunity this morning. We, we relish it. We bask in it to look into your word. I pray this morning that we would see things differently. We would see you differently. We would see ourselves differently. That your word would change our minds about who you are, who we are, and about this mission that you've called us to in this journey of life. And I pray that we would never forget that the most important thing in this journey is relationship with you. It's not performing for you. It's spending time with you and then doing those things because of your love that fuels us to do those things. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You know, it's interesting. We're, we're getting out of the summer 
In Michigan, summer's a big deal. And so many people have gone on vacations. I've noticed that people who've normally done one or two vacations are doing like three and four. We're really enjoying that time. And, and how many know it's getting colder? We know what that means, right? Fall's coming and then soon there's snow. And you're like, thanks a lot, Pastor, for reminding us about the snow. But it's just, it's what happens in Michigan. And so for a lot of us, I mean, even these last couple of weeks, maybe even today someone's like, man, it's in the 80s. Let's take one more trip. Let's go away one more time before we have to hunker down. But that's Michigan. You know, we really look forward to vacations, don't we? You know, for some of us, we work jobs where we can put in time. We schedule it. We might get one week, two weeks. If we're really blessed, we get three weeks paid vacation. For others, whether it's paid or not, we're going to schedule it. We look forward to vacation. We love vacation. And, you know, I was thinking about this. We've taken a lot of family trips. One of, the favorite, one of our favorite things to do is to go camping. We love to camp. And it's cool because it's cheap. Now, it's not free. But it's cheaper. You know, we've done Disney and, and Universal and, and all these different things. But, you know, the kids love to go camping. So that's the thing that we love to do. We love to camp. But there was a couple times that we had gone to and through the state of Texas. How many love Texas? I know you do, brother. We love Texas, right? Well, one time we had done this cross-country trip to California with the whole family. And then when we returned, we went through Texas because we wanted to stop along the way, going to California and back, enjoying all the sights, sightseeing, enjoying things. And so we went through the state of Texas. Another time we went directly to the state of Texas because my oldest son, Jonathan, was in the army. And he and his wife, Alyssa, our beautiful daughter-in-law, were stationed at Fort Hood. And so we went directly to Texas. Now, let me say something. I love Texas, but I hate driving in Texas. Now, if you've ever driven through Texas, let me say something. Obey the laws. Obey the laws, especially that speed limit sign. That really means something to them. Both times that I personally was driving through Texas, I've been to Texas more than two times, but when I was personally driving, both times I received wonderful tickets from the police officers in Texas. Uh, the first time, I was just cruising down the expressway and just, you know, I usually like to kick some jams on and, and just enjoy, and I'm just rocking out and enjoying it. And it's like, all of a sudden, I see those lights in the rear view mirror, and I'm like, that's not for me, is it? Well, sure enough, it was for me. And so I pulled over, I got a ticket. It's like, they just look at you like, boy, right? Boy, there ain't no negotiating. You were speeding. You know what you were doing? And I looked down, I knew what I was doing. Now, here's what I don't get. Every time a police officer gets behind me and I see it in my rear mirror, it's not like I, I have uh, drugs or illegal weapons or anything, but I always go, I tense up like, oh my gosh, the law is behind me. See, that's what the law does. It makes you tense up, right? That's why Jesus said, no longer do we have to live by the law. We can live by love. Amen. So stop being tense in your walk with Christ. Well, another time when we're on our way to Texas to visit Jonathan and Alyssa, we were going through, you know how there's the expressway, and then a lot of times you have to go off onto the highways, and so then you're going through like it's 55 to 40 to 25 through cities, and then back up to 55, and then 45, and 25 through the cities. And so I was looking at the map. This is before everyone had GPS on their phones. So I'm like, hey, did I miss a turn? Are we going the right way? I'm not sure. Well, while I was looking and trying to figure it out, I wasn't familiar with my surroundings. Guess what? A police officer ended up pulling me over. And he came up to the window. I'm like, oh, great, freaking Texas, man. I'm like, hello, how are you today, sir? And he's like, great, do you know how fast you were going? And the honest truth was no. So I said, 
I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Well, you were speeding. I said, you know what? And I went through this whole story. I thought maybe if I threw in my son's, you know, service, it would help. I'm coming to visit my son and daughter-in-law, Fort Hood. They've been here in Texas. He serves in the Army. I was going through this section. I'm not from here, as you can see. I'm from Michigan. And, you know, I wasn't really familiar with the area. And I didn't see the lights. I admit I screwed up, but I just didn't see it. I went through this whole story, and here's his answer. License and registration, please. I'm like, great. What is it about a ticket that, like, when you get a ticket, it just, like, ruins your whole day? At least it does for me. I'm like, okay, there's hundreds of dollars now in fines. There's points, which now is going to jack up my insurance because that's what insurance does. Any way they can to get a little bit more out of us, right? Sorry, Gary. (laughs) If you need insurance at real good prices, see Gary Malone. He's awesome. But, you know, it's just one of those things where it just can totally ruin your day. I mean, I was on course. I was on my way. I had a destination in mind. And suddenly I got pulled over and I got stopped. You know, a lot of times it happens in our life, here and now, on this journey. Like, you know that God has called you to something in life. It's, things seem to be running completely smooth. You know what you're supposed to do. You're just enjoying life with God, enjoying your family. You're going along and all of a sudden something comes up. Storms come up. Like you know your destination. You're, you're there. You, you can almost see it in the distance. And all of a sudden, the waves and the storms of life come up. And suddenly, it starts to slow you down. And for some of us, like for me, I was completely stopped. I mean, I'm on the side of the road going, great, now what? I'm already putting out money for vacation, but now I get to give money to the great state of Texas for their roads or whatever that might be. But I was pulled over, and so my focus had completely changed. I looked at the fact that I was stopped. I looked at the waves. I looked at the wind. See, we do this in life. And let me say this. This is, this is natural. This is something normal. Let me give you an example. If you're afraid of heights, and you're on a really tall building, uh, you're on a really big bridge, your friends try to help you. What do they say? They're like, okay, now, don't look down. Don't look down. What do we do? We look down. I just told you not to look down. It's like Jesus in the boat. He says, where's your faith? Do you not look at me? They're like, look at you. Do you not see the waves? See, we do this in life. Do you not see what's going on, Lord? Do you not care what's going on in my life? So what happens is momentum starts to slow down, or we even feel completely stopped, and then we start to question, God, do you really care? Are you really here with me? Because I know I'm supposed to go to the other side. When Jesus is talking in verse 35, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. But look at the next verse. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. They were completely obedient to his call. They got right in the boat and said, Let's do this. You know, these these events of the day, they occurred in the city of Capernaum, which is on the west side of of the Sea of Galilee. This is the lake they had to go across. It's about 13 miles long, about eight miles wide. And then today they call it the Golan Heights on the east side. This is where they were going to. This was like less than two hours by boat. No big deal. So they said, okay, Jesus, less than two hours. Let's get in the boat, grab a few fish, some bread. We'll be good. We'll do a snack on the way. But guess what? Very soon trouble would occur in the water. And so that's what we see here. 
we see this trouble occurs in verse 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And this blows my mind. While all this is going on, it says Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a pillow. How many love naps? Come on, adults, raise those hands. When I was little, I hated naps. I fought naps. Why do I have to go to sleep? Do you have kids? They do the same thing. Later in life, we are fighting for the nap. Can I get a nap, please? Let me say something, though. When I take naps, it's different than when I go to sleep. When I take a nap, you know, maybe I'll be in line waiting to pick up the kids for school, and I got 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, praise the Lord, and I just lean back and close my eyes for a little bit. Maybe I'm at home, and, and I might grab a throw pillow or something, you know, just to lay on. How many been there? Nap time. Let me say something. When it's time for me to go to sleep, it gets serious. I got a favorite pillow. I have a favorite cushion that I use. Why? Because I'm going to get me some sleep right now. This amazes me that Jesus was sleeping in the midst of a storm on a pillow. And see, this this account is in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, in Matthew and Luke, they tell this whole story in five and then in four verses. But in Mark, he tells a story in seven verses. Now, many people think that Peter actually didn't write this, but it was his story, and John Mark recorded it. Later scholars say, no, it wasn't him. But either way, think about the description. Seven long verses, lots of explanation, and the only text in all three Gospels that says Jesus was asleep on a pillow. I think this is such a powerful picture here. Jesus, among fierce storms, is at complete rest. Fierce storms going on and he's at complete rest. What is Jesus trying to tell us? Because even when they woke him up, he calmed it right down and said, where's your faith? Do you not trust me? They said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Perishing. So think about it. Jesus is just chilling in the boat, completely asleep. They wake him up. And this is what's crazy to me is, is at least four of these guys were like fishermen. That's what they did for a living. So if they're freaking out, I'm thinking, this must be a serious storm. This isn't just like, oh, it's, it's, it's lightly raining. I forgot my umbrella. This is like waves and the boat's filling and they're freaking out and they're shaking Jesus. And they say to him, do you not care that we are perishing? We are going to freaking die, Jesus. What are you doing sleeping? They ask this question, do you not care? Isn't really this the human existence? Isn't it true that all of us want somebody to care? Now, some people go, oh, I don't need anybody or anyone, but that's not true. We, we need other human beings. This isn't just about life in Christ. I was thinking about this as I was just kind of praying over this this morning that, you know, Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is the answer. But our brothers and sisters are necessary as well. They're the ones that can help us because we need somebody who cares in this life. In fact, I'm thinking about this. Here's Peter. He's in the boat. And he's saying, do you not care? Several years later, as he walked with Christ, as he did this journey in 1 Peter 5, 7, what does he say? He says, cast your cares on him. Why? For he cares for you. See, he got it. It took time. When he was in the boat, he didn't quite get it. But as he grew in maturity, as he grew in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ, he realized God really cares. And then he looked at people and said, listen, if you have anxiety or worry or cares, cast it on him because 
He cares for you. No longer did he have to ask the question, do you not care that we are perishing? Now he knew that God cared. But I want to just quickly look at a few observations in this story. Just four points. There's so much goodness and richness in this text. Number one is this. Storms happen even with Jesus in your boat. Wouldn't it be great if once Jesus got on the boat, life was just peachy and smooth? We've even sold it like that sometimes. I don't lie to people. I'm like, uh, life is going to change. You're still going to have crap come into your life, but you'll have complete peace through the crap. I mean, that's just, it's the truth, right? Because even when storms happen, Jesus is in the boat. Even as believers, I mean, I I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. Guess what? You're going to have a storm come. But even when they happen, Jesus is in your boat. And I believe this, that every storm is significant to Jesus. We can't forget this because a lot of times I think what what we think is, well, I have Jesus. He's in the boat, but I don't really want to wake him up because he doesn't really care. But every storm is significant to Jesus. He's there all the way. He's not going anywhere. He wants to help you through that storm. It doesn't mean the storm won't happen, but he wants to help you through that storm. But here's another thing that I think we need to look at is this. Let's be careful not to make assumptions of others when it comes to storms. The worst thing that somebody can hear, especially a brother and sister, see, we're a place, I think, that we should be transparent. The Bible says to confess your faults, your issues to one another so healing may come. Now, that doesn't mean that the storm is your fault. What I'm saying is we need to be transparent and open. We need to be able to share how we're feeling. But if someone says, man, I'm, I'm going through this, this big storm in my life right now, man. I just, I don't know what's going on. The last thing they need to hear is, well, brother, well, sister, if you had more faith. Man, if you, if you just read the Bible a little more, are you not praying enough? Are you not fasting, brother? Fast and pray, man, and then the storms won't come. Are you kidding me? Now, what I'm not saying is this, that storms aren't consequences sometimes of bad uh, decisions or, you know, things in our life. I mean, I've made some bad decisions and the storm came. But, but here's the thing. A lot of times the storms come and you don't deserve the storm. Now, is, is praying and, and fasting and reading your Bible and going to church bad things to do? No. See, I actually think those are great things to do to prepare for storms. Well, brother, where's the faith in that? You're preparing for a storm. You expect a storm? Yeah. Jesus told us they're going to come. And even in this story, we see that it, I mean, the disciples were being obedient, right? They got in the boat, like Jesus said, and the storm came. They could have went, oh, I screwed up. There's all these reasons we come up with. Why do we spend so much time trying to figure out why the storm is happening? That's human nature, isn't it? What did I do to cause a storm in life? Well, maybe you didn't do anything. And so we sit there and we're like, I got to figure out what I did wrong. Or the other side of it, what I did right. Oh man, I'm living so righteous, man. I'm getting, I'm just getting consequences left and right. Wait a second. Maybe the storms are just coming because storms come in life. Here's another thing I think we do. We try to... Put the devil into every storm. We try to put the devil into everything. I mean, I used to do this, folks, but sometimes we we spend more time talking about how big and evil the devil is than how big our God is. We we put 
God here and the devil here, and they're like equal forces against each other. Are you kidding me? What happened at the cross? Jesus defeated sin, death, and Satan at the cross. Yet we make it so big, man, the devil's and everything. Like we make him omnipresent. He's everywhere, buffeting everybody. Now I'm not saying that the devil doesn't exist, okay? What I'm saying is he has lost. How much room are we giving him? I'll give you just an example. When you have a certain idea, you can read that idea into context of scripture. How many would agree with that? John 10.10, really famous scripture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus said, have come that you might have an abundant life. Live life abundantly, right? So we see what Jesus wants to do. You know, for years I would preach, yeah, that's the devil, man. The devil's against you and Jesus is for you. But I never saw the context. This amazes me. Even in that context, I would make the devil as powerful as Jesus and they're fighting against each other. But you know, the whole context of John 10 is Jesus talking about himself being a good shepherd and that the thief will have to sneak over the wall and he will try to steal from you. And then that word thief in the original Greek, it means a false teacher or religious teacher who uses the law to manipulate you and pull the good life out of you. So Jesus was saying something. He's saying, listen, I've come to give you abundant life, freedom in me. Don't let people try to put law on you or falsely say things to you to manipulate and extort from you. But what do we do? It's the devil. We try to make the devil so big. That's why it's so important to read scripture in context. The thief is not the devil. The thief is a thief. It's anybody who tries to steal life from you, tries to kill you off, tries to steal and kill your dreams, tries to destroy what Jesus has brought, which is freedom in him and brand new life. It's not about the devil. The devil has been defeated. So guess what? Life happens, doesn't it? Storms come, and they happen even with Jesus in your boat. Number two, you can get wet even with Jesus in your boat. Again, wouldn't it be great to follow Jesus and never experience the repercussions of a storm? But you can get wet even with Jesus in your boat. Let me say this to the disciples. At this time in the boat, they weren't dry. They were probably wet to the bone. And like I said before, experienced fishermen they weren't afraid of the water yet they were they were yelling they were terrified jesus do you not care we are perishing we are dying see storms can come at us and we can feel the repercussions we might even get wet we might even get drenched we might even get soaked the greek word here fierce gale it means this it's a great windstorm it refers to a whirlwind or wind with cyclonic Gus. Kenneth Weiss, a Greek scholar, makes this comment. He said, the Greek word is used of a furious storm or hurricane. It never refers to a single gust nor a steadily blowing wind, however violent, but to a storm breaking forth from black thunderclouds in furious gusts with floods of rain and throwing everything topsy-turvy. Have you ever felt like that in life? You could be going through your day, everything's fine, and all of a sudden word comes, you get called in the office, you're like, sorry, uh, we're not just laying you off, we have to let you go. You have kids, you have a wife, you have payments. That's a fierce storm. And it came up just as sudden as the disciples experienced here. You go in for your annual checkup, your routine, 
And the doctors say those words, we need to see you again. We need to do more testing. Instantly, your faith is challenged. Instantly, your focus, I'm telling you, your focus, it's so easy to go, what's wrong? What's going on? There's a storm. I see the waves. My boat's filling with water. What do I do? See, our focus shifts from Jesus, who's the answer, to the storm. Do you follow me? Has anyone been there before? Everything was going smooth. It seemed great. Man, we are on the road. We know what we're called to do. Man, life is great. And all of a sudden, a great storm, a fierce storm arises in your life. High waves and your boat is filling. And I prayed those prayers. God, do you not care? Do you not care? I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. And the Holy Spirit the whole time is saying, Will you trust in me? We sang that today. That's so cool when it's like two weeks in a row that I'm not even familiar with the song and I'm like, oh my gosh, that song goes right along with what we're talking about today. I will trust in you. See, when those storms come, we need to choose where our focus is gonna be. We need to trust in Jesus. And I think as faith people sometimes, it's, it's hard to admit that we feel affected by the storm That sometimes we feel completely soaked. And you know what we do? And I think it's sad, but we've been almost trained to do this. We walk in church and and someone's like, how you doing, brother? And it's automatic to go, I'm blessed and highly favored, man. Things are awesome. Well, I'm all about positive confession, but what if like all hell is breaking loose? I'm not saying you got to tell every single person and drag them in the corner and just like dump on them. But it's important that we get things off our chest and we talk to our brothers and sisters because sometimes, see, we say, well, just, you know, go to God about it. That's great. We should always go to God about it. But our brothers and sisters should be there as a support system to help. Sometimes I've needed my brothers and sisters in Christ to say, hey, let me help your focus. You're not in this alone. Can I help your focus? But see, we've been trained sometimes to think that, well, it's lack of faith if I'm honest with what I'm feeling. But it's okay to be honest. What are you feeling? What are you going through? Where are your emotions right now? And they could be all screwy and everywhere. And guess what? That's okay. God still loves you. He hasn't left the boat. He didn't like jump out, walk in the water and go back and say, I'll just do it without you. Praise God, right? Isn't it awesome that he stays in the boat the whole time? And he's saying, hey, here's my focus. And brothers and sisters can say, see, Jesus is right here. He hasn't left you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Will you trust in him? Being soaked is not the same as being sunk. Being soaked is not the same as being sunk. It might feel like you're sinking and you might be literally soaked, but Jesus has not left you. It's not over. Jesus will do what he said he would do because he is true to his word. I think sometimes the greatest medication to life storms is simply saying this, God, I will praise you in the midst of these circumstances. Think about the apostles in prison. We're singing songs. Think about this Jesus on the cross, on the cross, taking all our sin upon him, excruciating pain, 
torment and anguish. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Another text we've gotten completely wrong. He was singing a psalm, a psalm of David. It's a prophecy. And you know, in Jewish tradition, when a leader, a rabbi would sing, the congregation would join. Imagine all the Jews at the foot of the cross watching this. And he starts out this song. He starts singing on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then they start singing the song and it talks about the lashes on the back. It talks about the crucifixion. And all of a sudden they're like, it's him. Even in the midst of everything, Jesus sings a song. The greatest storm of his entire life. Maybe sometimes we just need to choose that we're going to worship while wet. I'm soaked. I'm wet to the bone, but guess what? I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to get my focus on you and not on the storm, not on the waves, not on the circumstance, not on the doctor's report, not on what that person said to me, not on what I saw on Facebook. I'm going to focus on you. And I'll tell you, singing does something to us, doesn't it? You could be in the worst mood ever, and then you sing, and for me, it's not very lovely. I might be able to play instruments, but singing, eh, maybe some backups, but I don't care sometimes. I'm just singing to God. I'm getting my focus back on him. Everyone around is, is in excruciating pain in their inner ears, but I am focused on my God, my Savior, my Heavenly Father who loves me and who will never leave me, never forsake me. Sometimes you just got to worship while you're wet. Number three, Jesus is not just sleeping. He's sleeping soundly. Now we see this in here. This, you know, it's not that Jesus is asleep on the job. I don't want to say, okay, so that, that means Jesus is just like the dude's tired all the time. No, no. We're just trying to pick up from this text what's going on. Jesus is not just sleeping. He's sleeping soundly. In verse 39 of Mark 4, it says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. See, we can live and rest despite our circumstances, despite the storms of life. But he looks at them, he says this, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, something we need to look at here is Jesus says in Matthew in this account, He says, you have little faith. In Luke, he says, where is your faith? In Mark, he says, no faith. Now, I don't know why they say it differently, but I think it's pretty cool. Like, it covers the gamut. Like, where's your faith? I don't know. Well, I got a little bit, Lord. Um, I have none right now. No matter what you're going through, God has you covered. I think that's beautiful. Because Jesus, do you see that he didn't wake up and go, okay, guys, I'm waiting. Lord, what are you waiting for? Where's your faith? Come on, guys, pray a little harder. Did you eat today? You should have fasted. Did you read the scriptures? Because they did have the Torah, right? Did you read your scriptures today? Did you get in your prayer closet? What is that? I don't even have one of those. Did you get away? He didn't say anything about that. He woke up immediately and he said, peace be still. And it stopped. Now, here's what I found. Sometimes in my life, I'm, I'm going through adversity. And, and when I focus on him, it's like he says, peace be still. Now, the storm might still kind of have these, these lingering effects, but I have a complete peace on the inside. 
But you know that no matter where your faith level is, even your trust, that Jesus doesn't leave the boat. He's got you covered. Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. And that's what's beautiful about the new covenant. It's not about your performance level. It's not about how good you've been living. And I'm telling you, I'm all about good living. Some people get this weird idea that, well, you live by grace, so that means nothing matters. Are you kidding me? There's consequences for sin, for just... I mean, you do something dumb, guess what? You'll get something dumb back. It just happens. And I I thank God for his grace and mercy because there's sometimes I've done some really dumb things and he's just, I don't know how, he's just moved some stuff around and I didn't have to pay dear consequences for it, thank God. But you should learn from that. You should say, that is not good for me. See, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Not, yeah, let's do anything we want. I mean, come on, people. Do you ever hear that from the pulpit here? Never. Sin is not good. But even when you are faithless, even when you screw up, let me say something. He is faithful. And thank God for that. That's what we live in today after the cross, burial, and resurrection. It says here in verse 41, and they feared exceedingly. They were frightened. They said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? This feared exceedingly in the original means struck with amazement and wonder. They were in awe of Jesus. See, their focus went from the storm to Jesus, and they were in complete awe. Do you know the storm has a purpose? It has an agenda. Number four, the storm wants your awe. The storm wants your awe. The circumstances, the adversity, they want you to say, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Get your focus over here. It wants you to be in complete awe of it. You know, sometimes we just hear certain names. Like if I say cancer, almost immediately people went, because maybe someone in your family went through it. Maybe you went through it. Maybe just yesterday, this week, you got a report of that nasty word, cancer. Lost your job. No money. Kids ran away. I mean, there's all these different things that try to, try to appeal to us to get awe, to be in awe of them. So the storm wants your awe. Whether it's divorce, depression, lack, death of a loved one. Here's the question, who holds your awe? See, in this case, the disciples' awe was placed in the wind and the waves. The adversity, the circumstances, the storms of life. But then Jesus gets up and he says, peace, be still. And finally their awe was placed in the right direction. The solution, who is it? Jesus. Who has your awe? See, that's who our Savior is. He's at complete peace. And you're like, well, yeah, but he's God. He came to this earth and he lived as a man. The incarnation, I mean, that's beautiful to me that God became just like us. So he could go through everything that we go through. And then even living a perfect, sinless life, he died a criminal death on a cross. And he took in all of our sin, all the violence, all the hatred. He took it into himself. Think about this. And he died, 
But then God had an answer to it, resurrection. He says, sin can't hold me down. Death can't hold me down. The enemy can't hold me down. And then he says, you can have the same life. And all we have to do is believe and say yes. So what is preoccupying your mind? What are you thinking about this morning? I mean, for some of us, I've been in church before and like I didn't even, I could barely worship it. I could barely hear what was being said from the pulpit because something else had my awe. I was preoccupied with something else. How? And see, I'm, I'm one of those kind of people that I have to figure it out. Like, okay, if I were to do this and if I were to go here and, and sometimes I have to go, stop it. Where is your focus? Because I'm giving something else my awe. And all Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the prince of peace. I'm your solution. I'm your answer. Will you give me your awe? He's saying, focus on me because I'm your answer. So number one, storms happen even with Jesus in your boat. Number two, you can get wet even with Jesus in your boat. Number three, Jesus is not just sleeping. He is sleeping soundly. That's huge right there. We can have rest even in the midst of our circumstances. And number four, the storm wants your awe. Who holds your awe? That's a big question. But I love this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Some versions say fear, but I love how it breaks it down here in the Amplified. It says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity. It goes on to say of cowardice of craven and cringing and fawning fear. If, let me say this. If you're, if you're fearful right now, don't feel bad about it. That, that's an emotion. But the Apostle John told us something. He said that perfect love casts out fear. And I know that sometimes people are like, this is great that you keep going back to the love thing, but you know that the whole kingdom after the resurrection is built on love. I mean, think about whether it's the commandments, whether it's just, you know, all the different lists of behaviors that you see in the, the letters, the epistles of the apostles, the apostles. One thing that I noticed here is that if you're operating in love, you'll do the right thing. That's why Jesus only gave us one command. Not several, one. And he said, love others as I've loved you. But see, it's perfect love or perfected love that casts out fear. I really believe this, that when we see our Father's love for us, when we can really start to grasp that, the fear goes away. Because we know no matter what's thrown at us, God has got our back. He loves us. He'll love us through every storm, every situation. And so that's how we put our trust back in Him. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. But see, it's describing something here. That power, that love, that sound mind comes from God. And so with our eyes closed, I want us to just think for a moment. What, what is it that you're going through in life? Did a storm just arise this week in your life? Maybe you're going through a, a calm period right now, but maybe now is a time to prepare for that storm. And it's not that we have to be afraid of the storm, but let's prepare. What is going to have our awe? 
Will we choose to worship even when we're soaking wet? Father, I pray for every person here today. Those who maybe are at complete peace right now, that you're already preparing their hearts for the storm ahead. For those who are actually going through storms right now, maybe, again, just this week, storms that have come up, I pray for your peace to surround them, for your peace, I love this, to saturate them, to soak them to the bone. The storm has tried to soak them and get their awe. I pray that your love and your peace would soak them to the bone and their focus would come back to you and they would receive a peace that surpasses all understanding. They would know that you have their back, that even when they're faithless, you are faithful. We choose to focus on you. Is there anyone here today that's maybe heard this message and maybe you'd say, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm not even sure how to do that, but I do believe that Jesus came to this earth in the form of a man that he lived a sinless life and that he sacrificed on a cross for me, that he took all the sin of the world and then through his death and resurrection, he made a brand new way to live. He has reconciled us. It means he's brought us into favor with him. If you're here today and you think that God has been angry and mad at you, that's not true. He loves you. He cares about you. He's already brought you into favor with him. And he's simply saying, will you believe Do you want to be part of this family? If you're here today and you're like, yes, pastor, I want to do that, just quickly raise your hand. When we raise our hand, it's just an outward uh, way of of explaining what we're feeling inside in our soul because that's what really matters. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for every person here, all of us who have said yes to Jesus, yes to brand new life. Holy Spirit, you now live in us. You lead us, you guide us, and direct us in our life. And we thank you for this new way of life. In Jesus' name. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.